Again, beloved, good morning. I am the Reverend C.J. Rodriguez. And I just want to say two things. One is I want to thank my friend and colleague, Pastor West, for this opportunity. And we thank God for Zoom. Yesterday I was in at the Southwest California um, Synod Assembly for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, where the first openly queer woman was elected to the office of bishop. And this morning, I am now in Michigan um, with all of you at St. John United Church of Christ. And so we thank God for community and for technology and for the ability to be in community uh, virtually. And I and this all while I am in San Juan, Puerto Rico. The second thing is I think that the spirit is moving because I didn't see the video, the family video that was just shown. And it truly embodies part of the message that I bring forth this morning for you. You know, sometimes if we want a snapshot of what a family should look like or an example of familiar relationships, the Bible might not be the first source of reference on a list of resources of figuring out what family in Mark 3, 21, it reads, when his family, talking about Jesus, heard what was happening, they came to take control of him. They were saying he's out of his mind. Yet Christian tradition has had a difficult time reckoning with perhaps the idea that there was strife, that there was conflict, that there was that the that the that there was some strain between Jesus and his kin. In the wider context, we see Jesus's family um, in the story this morning in comparison to influential religious leaders. It was very clear in the video. Um, rendition of the gospel that. There was the group of religious leaders, and then there was Jesus's family on the other side. And both groups, one of the issues that both groups had was there was this inability, this they weren't able to understand who Jesus really was. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but there are times in life, at least in some of our lives, where we know all too well what it feels like not to be understood, not to be understood by those in our own familiar circles, those in our religious communities. They don't understand who exactly we are and why we do what we do. The religious authorities concluded that he was possessed by Satan. And his family just assumes he's done lost his right mind. In an ancient setting, these two scenarios were basically equal to each other. 
The scene underscores how those who presumably were in great positions to make sense of Jesus still were not immediately able to see him as God's agents. They weren't able to see how he was coming to announce and reinaugurate God's intentions for human flourishing. Many could not overcome the disorienting character of his message. Even close relatives and religious insiders were bewildered by what he said and like throughout his entire ministry. Many of, many of the things that he proclaimed seemed to go against the grain, seemed to go against the very aspects of human society that were known. And so in that sense, they, they felt threatened by Jesus, and they just wanted Jesus to be quiet. Maybe Jesus' relatives were dismayed that the firstborn son wasn't supporting his family, but yet galvanizing around Galilee, going around Galilee as a self-appointed prophet. Or maybe they wanted him as Messiah to have bigger and better ambitions, such as promising a revolution instead of preaching and healing the sick. The Gospel of Mark does not explain. It merely sets up a showdown of sorts when the family arrives to take Jesus back. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that you know, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that, but my family wants me to do this, my family wants me to do that. They want better and greater things for me and don't understand why I choose to do what I do. When the crowd says that his family is summoning him from outside the crowded building, Jesus answers with a shocking statement. And it's a statement that we don't always really understand. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who are my siblings? Look here. Look here. Are my mother and my brothers and my siblings? Whoever does God's will is my brother, my sister, my mother, my sibling. It's certainly good news for those inside of the house who seek to identify with Jesus and his message. It is also good news maybe for Mark's earliest readers who found themselves estranged from their biological families. Bad news, however, for his relatives on the outside and others who, with high regard for customary notions and honor of social stability. Those that liked the social structures that were in place because Jesus certainly disrupts the idea of what family is. And in the video, the people who mention what family is, who family is to is certainly not for some what traditional family looks like. Certainly, it is an important component of what family is. Jesus redefines the criteria for who constitutes 
his true family. Many of us in the queer community have experienced family in other ways because our families have not been there, have chosen not to be there for us. We have had to redefine the concept of family. And we've had to redefine the concept of family even in and for the church. This goes beyond striking back at his mother and brother's opinion about his sanity. It wasn't just that they didn't agree with him. More foundationally, Jesus makes a claim about what it might mean to belong to other people. He makes a claim about identity families or households where the primary social and economic units of first century society. And Jesus speaks to deeply embedded cultural assumptions when he determines that his true family, not by blood relations or kinship ties, but by doing the will of God. I have found family, and I know you have as well, amongst people that do the work of justice, that do the work of building the kingdom of God here and now, who seek liberation for those who are marginalized and oppressed, those that choose love over hate. Families that we have chosen to be a part of because they feed our souls. They help us to be better people, better servants of God and the world in which we live. And when we look at this redefinition of family now, we say, well, no wonder some were bent on killing Jesus. Jesus disrupted the economic systems of his day, but he also disrupted other systems of his day. And in this case, he disrupts the society, the family structure that was in place. Jesus was hardly the first thinker to use familiar terms to describe the membership of a movement or an in-group. Still, his comment would strike many of his contemporaries as dangerous. Mm. How many times have we been told that our redefinitions of what family is, is dangerous to our society? I don't know how many times I have been told that, that my people, especially in some more of the conservative religious groups that our redefinition of what family is is somehow dangerous to society. Hmm. Sometimes I ask, how can love be dangerous to society? But that's a sermon for another day. What's a family supposed to consist of now? Who is family? For Jesus' family, at least one type of family, is a community of people joined as an expression of their commitment to discover and make manifest God's will. To do God's will. To love and care for 
and accompany you and stand in solidarity with those who aren't always part of our immediate or our blood family. In fact, I want to suggest that if we started to see the world and all of the people in it as our siblings, as our family, as those who are part of our circle, the world might be a better place. During this month of pride, uh, one thing that we cannot overlook is the reality, especially for us queer folks, when we talk about family, and I mentioned this a little bit before I got ahead of myself, but family is a difficult subject for many of us. And even many expressions of the church still wrestle today with the idea of that folks like me and other folks whose family composition might not look what the traditional church-going family looks like. Not to mention that many of us have created our own chosen families, not because we necessarily wanted to, not because we set out one day and said, I don't like the family that I have, and so I'm going to go out and find another family. No, it's really about necessity. It's out of the need to be in relationship and Sometimes our families are not there to be in relationship with us. These chosen families, when our blood families have decided to turn the other way. And so sometimes for these people that I've had to interact with, especially here on the island where I have come back to live after being in the United States for some nine or 10 years. I came back home to live in Puerto Rico this past year because of the pandemic. And one of the things that I have discussed in different ways is the concept of what is family? What is a family? Jesus' words prompt us to consider the relationship between a family and what it means to know and do God's will. Can, one only, can only certain kinds of families reflect or promote God's will? As Jesus articulated in terms of mercy, love, justice, protection, holiness, and well-being. Can only certain families express the belonging and solidarity that God desires to share with humanity? Obviously, Christians... And I would say most religious people haven't found consensus on these topics as discussions of sexuality and marriage have polarized many communities. Here in Puerto Rico, we're still talking about whether or not we should have conversion therapy. I don't quite understand what the discussion is, but for some reason, people are still discussing whether or not conversion therapy should be a thing. Yet the discussions impelled by the cultural urgency surrounding the issues have also brought many into deeper understandings of what kind of living might be consistent with Jesus's life and message. Jesus did not abolish the idea of family. Certainly Jesus said family is important. He didn't dismantle or disrupt 
the concept of household, he changes it, he switches it around, he goes as far as to suggest he overthrew his cultural values and his family, society, and religion. He said, this is not working. This is not what doing the will of God looks like. He, was, he, didn't, he wasn't scared to throw cultural norms, religious norms, to redefine things in light of what we now know as the gospel message. But he does consistently unsettle and sometimes redirect those values. And I say that he, that Jesus does everything that he does, everything that he stands for is, he stands in the value that is above all values, which is love. When Jesus teaches, heals, and makes pronouncements, everything gets put up for renegotiation. Values aren't necessarily flawed simply by virtue of those being old or established, but God's presence in the world, manifested through Jesus' words and action, repeatedly upends conventional assumptions of what is real or what is normal. It upends them not to change them for change's sake, but so we might reconsider just how they can be authentic, authentic manifestations of who God is and how God can be. For God wills to be known by us in the particularity of our real lives and our real relationships. So on this Sunday morning, the second Sunday of Pentecost, as we talk about what family is, who family is, it is a joy and an honor and a privilege to be part of a worshiping community that understands that family moves beyond blood-related kin to those who are who we choose to be in relationship with the, with those who feed our souls those that give us that spark of life to move forward. And so no matter who we are or what type of families we have, right, that composition of our family, know that it is blessed that our relationships, that our family, that our bonds are blessed by God when they are rooted in love and when they promote justice and mercy and the building of the kingdom of God here and now. And so we thank God for family, for those who we are related to by blood, but also those who have become our family by virtue, and by virtue of this redefinition of family based on love and doing the will of God.